right, we've got three stories from Curiosity.com to help you get smarter in just a few minutes. I'm Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Today, you'll learn about how exclamation points are stressing people out, why ice might be stopping us from discovering an alien civilization, and Transnistria, a country that doesn't exist. Let's satisfy some curiosity on the award-winning Curiosity Daily. When you think about things that stress you out, you might think about your job or your relationships or traffic. But how about this one? Punctuation. There are real-world effects from our use of punctuation, and it's important to think about in today's world of texts and tweets. So think about this. Have you ever gotten a message with no closing punctuation and completely overanalyzed it? Here's an example. Let's say someone sends you a message that says, that's fine, just two words. The way you interpret that message could be hugely different if it ends with a period or with an exclamation point and even with no punctuation at all. If you've ever felt like someone hates you because they didn't end their text with an exclamation point, then you have dealt with an actual phenomenon known as punctuation inflation. See, not too long ago, you were supposed to use one exclamation point in the most extreme and emotional situations. Julie Beck is a senior editor at The Atlantic, and she recently wrote, quote, At journalism school, I was told you get one exclamation point to use in your entire career, so you should use it wisely. You could perhaps spend your one exclamation point on a headline like WAR OVER in all caps, but nothing less would merit one, unquote. Then texting and email came along and people started using multiple exclamation points, all caps, emojis, the whole nine yards to more clearly communicate their feelings. But there are no hard and fast rules for this. Punctuation-related anxiety can range from worrying about how we're supposed to balance professionalism and warmth in our work emails to realizing we might have come across as colder than intended, to panicking that you may be in trouble when you get a message with no exclamation point. Experts say there's no easy fix for this, but it's nice to know that getting anxious over punctuation is not uncommon. And one thing you could do is communicate your expectations to your coworkers. Just be honest, let them know it's a minor thing, but see if they're willing to accommodate your punctuation preferences. I've worked with a guy in radio for a very long time, and he would put periods at the end of all of his texts. And I literally pulled him aside and explained to him, you can't do that to me. <laughs> and I tweeted this at you, and I know you saw it already. Yeah. But legitimately, anytime I've been late to anything or set you something late or not gotten something totally finished or whatever, anytime I've ever said there's been any problem with my productivity, you always say that's fine with an exclamation point. And I like... The mental well-being <laughs> that that has afforded me, I'm not even exaggerating, has been, like, I can't understate it, I don't think. Well, that's good. Well, here's my secret. I use exclamation points way too much. <laughs> Every email I write, I have to go back through and remove, like, four of them. Really? Yeah. Well, at least it has a positive effect. Yeah, I'm glad. And I'm communicating with you, please don't stop doing that. Okay, the day I, won't. I The day I get a message from you that says that's fine with a period or no <laughs> punctuation, I am going to lose my mind. I'm going to get on Slack and I'm going to message our coworkers. What did I do? Does <laughs> actually hate me? <laughs> I think everyone needs to tweet at Cody with periods at the end of sentences right now. Oh, good. <laughs> the Fermi paradox poses the question, if the universe is so big and old and there are countless opportunities for life, then why haven't we found aliens? Well, one scientist has tossed a new theory into the ring. Maybe they all live on frozen ocean worlds and they can't get past the icy crust. This idea is simply chilling. Oh boy. 
Don't give me the cold shoulder. I'm going to give you the cold shoulder, Cody. What can I say? I watched Batman and Robin before this. Arnold Schwarzenegger really inspired me. Truly his greatest role. (laughs) Well, this idea comes from Alan Stern. He's a planetary scientist at the Southwest Research Institute in Boulder, Colorado. And he looks at it this way. Ocean worlds are incredibly common in our solar system, which means they're probably just as common throughout the universe. Jupiter's moons Europa, Ganymede, and Callisto all have liquid water oceans, and so does Saturn's moon Enceladus. Even the dwarf planets Pluto and Ceres show signs of water beneath their outer crusts. But the water in these places is buried beneath a thick layer of ice or rock. There's life under the sea here on Earth, though, so why couldn't there be life underground somewhere out there? Extraterrestrial life could be thriving in vent systems that come from the geological activity of their ocean worlds, kind of like how life in the depths of our ocean can survive thanks to the warmth and chemicals pumping out of hydrothermal vents. And if you're living on chemical energy from your own planet instead of solar energy from a star, your planet could potentially be located anywhere, even outside of a habitable zone, which is always my favorite term to say on this podcast, habitable. And here's something fun to think about. Let's say an icy outer crust is protecting our alien friends from cosmic radiation and meteor impacts. Well, that layer of ice would also block many radio signals. So there could actually be advanced civilizations under the crust of those worlds. The problem is, these crusts are thick. We think Europa's crust is 10 miles thick, and the record for the deepest hole drilled into the Earth is still only about 7.5 miles. That's a big difference. Still, this idea comes from real, actual science, and it's pretty fun to think about. Before we get to our last story, I want to give a special shout-out to some of our patrons for supporting our show. Thank you, Anthony Highland, Katrina Constantine, and Luke Chapman for contributing to our Patreon page. You are what is helping us keep the show going. If you're listening and you want to support Curiosity Daily, then visit patreon.com slash curiosity.com, all spelled out. Even a couple bucks a month would be a huge help. That's less than a cup of coffee, and our patrons get lots of cool bonus content like exclusive episodes. One more time, that's patreon.com slash curiosity.com. And if you can't pitch in right now, but you've written us a review or sent us feedback, then thank you too. Quick shout out to Nikki Neal, Elaine, Birdie SL, and Sarah Liptak for your positive feedback. It means the world to us. Welcome to Transnistria. Ah, ah, ah. (laughs) The country that does not exist. And it's also more than an eight-hour drive away from Transylvania, so I'm not sure why I was talking like a vampire. But here we are. I don't know, maybe Halloween season's getting to your head. Seriously, though, Transnistria is a real place. It's just not a real country. Although it does have borders, a national anthem, a passport, and a president. So what gives? Well, long story short, the Soviet Union. Transnistria is an unrecognized state that the United Nations says is part of Moldova. When the USSR dissolved in 1990, the newly independent country of Moldova said it had a plan to unify with its neighbor Romania. But most Moldovans east of the Dniester River spoke Russian, so they declared independence instead. The Transnistrian War started in 1992 and went on for four months, ending in a ceasefire. In the end, Moldova decided to give Transnistria some degree of autonomy, but still won't recognize Transnistrian independence. So basically, it's not officially a nation, but nobody's going to mess with their day-to-day sovereignty. It's not a communist state, but if you visit, you'll find lots of sculptures of Lenin and other reminders of the not-so-distant Soviet past. There are also monuments to Soviet leaders and roads named after figures like Karl Marx. 
And if you're thirsty, you can also go to a world-renowned cognac distillery that dates back to 1897. In a lot of ways, Transnistria is its own country, even if other nations don't really recognize it as an actual country. You want to found a country, Ashley? Yeah, let's do it. All right, curiosity. Stan. (laughs) (laughs) You can read about today's stories and more on curiosity.com. We invite you to join us tomorrow for the award-winning Curiosity Daily and learn something new in just a few minutes. I'm Ashley Hamer. And I'm Cody Goff. Stay curious. On the Westwood One Podcast Network.